0: Thanks so much, bro. Bridgeway, how you guys doing? I just a couple of things. I just want to say you guys are so blessed, Pastor Lance. We, we talked on the phone and it was it was off the chart. That guy, I'm I'm serious. We connected on so many levels. His passion, his vision, uh, his heart, his transparency. And you know, when you have a leader like that, you recognize a couple of things. Number one. You're not just blessed, you're spoiled. But the second thing is that it is a vote of confidence that God wants to do something special in a region when he gives you dynamic, uh, heartfelt, authentic leadership like that. And I'm just so glad. Uh, it, it was like he's like my brother from another mother. Truly, truly. Uh, you, you know, we say that. Yes. You guys give your leader. This a phenomenal. What a great set, man. I've got some great connections to this region. One. My daughter, I don't know if she's in this service or not, but she just goes to school right over the freeway here at William Jessup University. She's a senior over there. And so this next spring she'll be graduating. She's my baby. And then my son right now is uh, out of the country playing professional basketball. He graduated last spring, played four years at Cal Berkeley, got his degree. Amen. Paid education. Amen. Amen. And, uh, he's, uh, out of the country playing basketball and they both love Jesus with all their heart. You know, my daughter, she came back from a missions trip, uh, this summer in Mexico and, uh, she was sharing it with us and, and just broke and just said, Hey dad, I, I know this is what I'm supposed to do. I'm going to go back and work for an orphanage and help the poor of the earth. And you know, as a dad, you're, you're thinking, wow. You know, and then at the same time you're thinking, God, please protect my daughter overseas, <laughs> you know, stuff like that. And so, Super excited to be with you guys. Let's jump in this. If you've got a Bible, if you go to Judges chapter 3, and if you do not have a Bible, that is totally cool. We will talk to you. We will read it. We'll go through it together. Judges chapter 3, and it says there, it says, so the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord. They forgot. Can you say forgot? Yeah. They forgot the Lord their God and served the Baals and Aserahs. Therefore, the anger of the Lord was hot against Israel, and he sowed them into the hand of cushan rishathaim king of Mesopotamia. And the children of Israel served cushan rishathaim eight years. When the children of Israel cried out to the Lord, the Lord raised up a deliverer for the children of Israel who delivered them, Othniel, the son of Kenaz, Caleb's younger brother. The spirit of the Lord came upon him, and he judged Israel, and he went out to war. And the Lord delivered Cushan Rishathaim, king of Mesopotamia, into his hands, and his hand prevailed over Cushan Rishathaim. Verse 11. So the land had rest for 40 years. Then Othniel, the son of Kenaz, died. You know, there's this thought that uh, has gripped me, and here is the phrase. If what you believe matters, and it does, If what you believe matters, it matters most under pressure. And I say that because there are a lot of philosophies people adhere to that seem good when the weather's right, when all conditions are room temperature, but let there allow there to be some crisis, some tribulation, the heat is on in your life, and those philosophies go the way of a souffle in your oven when you slam the door too quickly or too loudly or too sharply, and the souffle sinks. There's a lot of philosophies that look good in the vacuum of going through a challenge in your life. There was a time when I had it. And I I think sometimes God allows crisis in our life for which reason cannot get us out of. So we are forced to have to press into God to receive a miracle we would not have gotten through our intellect. But it's rather through our hearts. Years ago, I uh, I spent the majority of our ministry, early part of our ministry, 10 years directing campus ministry. I gave my life to Jesus Christ at the University of Pacific in Stockton, California. A year and a half after I'd given my life to Jesus, uh, uh, twist and fate of circumstances, but really God, I found myself being the director of the campus outreach that I gave my life to the Lord. And then later, we went and planted at Chico State, planted a, a campus outreach. Just after that 10 years, we were invited to be on staff at a church in Los Angeles. As I was coming down there, the head secretary, Audrey at the time, had received a phone call from a local radio station, but it was really regional. And they said, we'd like to have a pastor come on and speak on the theme of healing, okay? So I moved down there. She calls me up. I'm, I'm just in boxes. And she says, you know what? There's this radio station. They want a pastor to come talk about healing. I think you'd be a great guy. We, I've heard you at a conference. And, you know, I think you'd be good. So I said, okay. Now... I would discover about a day out from me having to be on this show five disturbing things. Now, this was my assumption. My assumption was it was a Christian radio station. We would sit in fellowship together over Jesus' incredible healing works in the Bible. And we would sip, you know... Iced tea out of nice glasses with little toothpicks in the pineapples, and we would just sit there and have a great time on red velour couches, I'm sure, right? Wrong. Five disturbing things I would discover. Number one, the show was not a Christian radio show. It was a secular radio show, right? So I find that out. Number two, the moderator or MC of the program hates Christians. He's an antichrist, not the antichrist, because I don't think he'd have a radio show, but you know what I'm saying. Number three, it is a call-in show. I'm just going to look at you on that one. A call-in show? That means people can call up and go off on you under the guise of anonymity no one would know, and they could say what they always wanted to say and, and literally uh, just assassinate you. Number four, it is a call-in show within the hours of 8 a.m. in the morning to 9 a.m. in the morning on a weekday. Somebody got that. If you're on the Highway 5, 405 or the 10 in L.A., between 8 and 9 a.m. in the morning, you have road rage on you because three hours have passed and you've moved three exits and you're mad. You hear a Christian as you're flipping the radio station and now you can call in on your cell phone and go off on them. But then number five, as disturbing as all front, the first four combined... I'm supposed to debate live a New Age bookstore-owning psychic guru. <laughs> I'm in my room, and I'm, I got the Bible, and I'm praying. I'm in, and I'm like, God, I said, I don't want to do this, Lord. I said, isn't there a verse in a book of the Bible that says, your first year at a new job of ministry, you shouldn't have to take on an entire region of people angry at you? That's in the book of second opinions and hesitations. I get, I see it, you know... And, and I felt like the Lord impressed this upon my heart. And I love when God does this. I felt like the Lord impressed upon my heart, Sean, when you thought it was a Christian radio station, you were cool with it. You wanted to go on there. But when you found out it was a secular radio program, you didn't. And yeah, that was very true. And I felt like the Lord impressed upon my heart, you've made the same mistake of many of my children make. That you erroneously believe I've got a home court advantage at a Christian radio station, at a Christian church, at a Christian coffee house, at a Christian school, as if to say by default I have a disadvantage if it's a secular radio station, a secular college, a public school, or what have you. It's like you are the Raiders going in a mile high stadium in Denver, you're already at a disadvantage. And the Lord corrected my erroneous theology with this verse. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. Wherever God shows up, he's got home court advantage. How many of you believe that? Amen. So I go on the show. I first call up every intercessor I know. And I said, you got to hit the floor. Hashtag hit the floor. Pray for a brother. I'm going in front of who knows what. Right. And I'm like, pray. I mean, lose your weave for Jesus in prayer. Whatever you got to do, get a hold of God. So I show up on the show, introduced to the moderator. They mic me up. I'm sitting on a stool, and they've got that and got the headphones and everything on. And he says, hey, I'm going to ask you a series of questions. And a whole while, the guy has his smirk, like, I'm about to be fed to some lions. I'm like, oh, God, somebody please lose their weed for Jesus right now in prayer. So he asked me this question. He said, we're at KPCC, News Talk of the Town Live, and we have Pastor Sean Smith. And he says, Pastor Sean Smith, are you a faith healer? And I said, no, sir, I'm not a faith healer. I have faith in one who is a healer. I couldn't heal a teensy fly of a headache on my best day with Advil. But I got faith in one who can do it. His name is Jesus. And so he quickly follows that up. And he says, well, have you ever seen any healings? And so immediately in my mind, again, these were not rehearsed answers. My mind immediately jumped back to this point in time where I went to Argentina. I was a part... Of a, of a gospel presentation campaign there. It was in a rodeo, uh, I don't know what you'd call a rodeo stadium. I'm, I'm very urban. I'm from inner city Oakland. So <laughs> the smells reminded me that it was a place where burros were at at some point in time, right? You guys would get that, right? And so I told him about after we had presented the gospel, we presented the Opportunity for people to present uh, to connect with Christ, we began to walk out in the crowds. I had a 16 year old gal that knew English and Spanish because my three years of high school Spanish was not working in Argentina, clearly. (laughs) Repita, por favor, you know, (laughs) no comprehendo, you know. So I had this gal, this lady comes up to me, she's an older lady, she comes up to me, and it's very evident to me she's blind, she has a primitive walking stick. Uh, You know, obviously, probably, I'm sure, the hospital care there, we were in Rosario, Argentina. Uh, It was a little little more more challenging. I could tell by her eyes that uh, they, they didn't have clearly defined pupils and irises like we have. There was this, like, white, milky substance. She comes up to me, and through the interpretation, long story short, she says, I believe that because you're from America, you are blessed and God favors you. That'll break your heart right there. And she says, I believe that if you'll pray with me, Jesus will heal me. And I'm like, I'm in over my pay grade, right? I'm like, I pray for people with ringing ears and runny noses and maybe have had a little degree of success. But you, you know, I didn't say this to her, but I'm thinking, you can't see. This is beyond me. Have you ever felt in a position? Okay, watch this. You ever felt in a position where you're in over your head, that God has put you in a position where you're in over your head? I believe in America in many respects, so many people feel like they're in a position where they're in over their heads. That the demands have outpaced your supply. That you have more things expiring you than inspiring you in the moment. And you feel like, and, and, and this is what I smile at you and tell you. This is God's signature move is to put you in a position where you're in over your head so that he can get a resource into you that's in over your head because you look to him knowing that you can't pull this off on your own. I began to pray, first thing when she said when I prayed, I, I tried to look for someone else that was more experienced in this kind of prayer. And so I prayed over her and I prayed a pathetic prayer. I, I did not have faith in this situation. In this equation, it was God's mercy, as it always is, and it was this lady's faith. I prayed for her, and I, I, I true, you think I'm exaggerating, right? I'm not. I said, Lord, please help her get home. You know I, I'm sure the young gal did not interpret that for her. I, I was nervous. I didn't know what to pray. I seriously prayed that. Over home. I said, Lord, I just pray for her. And she had a granddaughter with her. I just pray, God, that you just bless them. And, and I'm kind of beating around the bush. Why? Because I'm afraid that if I pray and really ask God for her need, that maybe it wouldn't happen for her and I didn't want to disappoint her and let her down. It's not that I don't believe God could do that. I know God can do that. I just didn't believe that God would use me or he would pick this time. So I'm praying this pathetic prayer, and this is true. I I, I I mentioned last night, my my core value is integrity and precision in words and how you describe things. I'm praying for that kind of get her home, give her peace, bless her. The woman goes, ah! That, that was how it went, okay? I interpreted it. I went... Ah! And I open up my eyes just in time now again this this is core value for me. I open up my eyes just in time to see her eyes in in front of me become what they weren't before. they weren't white milky substance. there was irises and pupils i'm looking at this thing and i'm looking into a miracle and i'm freaked out. The woman drops her primitive walking cane her twelve year old grandbaby hugs it with tears coursing down her face i'll never forget it that's etched. Permanently in my, in my subconscious. And the woman comes to give me a hug, but I'm so freaked out, I'm running from her. I'm like, oh my God. You know, and so she moves, I move, she moves. I'm from Oakland, I know how to keep away from people, okay? It was hot, it was sweltering. I had this short sleeve shirt I got from Kmart, right? This thin tie, I had Lake Erie and Lake Superior going on. She's trying to hug me, I'm trying to move, and it dawns on me, I, I was, I was in shock, okay? I was in shock. Because it's like, whoa! She hugs me, we rush her up on the platform, she shares the testimony. I'm in a hotel room, a small, tiny hotel room in Rosario, Argentina. And I'm looking at the Bible, I'm looking up at the ceiling, and I go, God, you really do do this stuff, huh? <laughs> he does. He does. I'm on the radio station as I finish this remember the context. I'm on the radio station. I finish it. The guy's kind of looking at me strange. And about that time, my counterpart, the psychic guru, author, bookstore-owning lady, she was late. She walks up. They mic her up real quick, and it's just enough time for him to turn to her. He says, whatever her name is, are you a faith healer? She says, yes, I'm a faith healer. He says, have you ever seen healing? She says, I've used astral projection, and and I've used, and she's doing all this stuff, and crystals to see symptom abatement that's exact words and i'm thinking in the back of my mind symptom abatement did the person get healed or did they not you know i'm like what's this symptom abatement stuff right and so she goes on this little diatribe of describing what she's about and then she reaches over her hand my hands are folded she uh, and she reaches over and pats me on my hand and she, she says my brother and i we serve the same god and she pats my hand All right, I'm from West Oakland. I grew up two blocks from the West MacArthur BART station in Oakland, right? There's a two-word phrase that if you say to a person who is from the area I grew up in, right? This two-word phrase will set you off, okay? The two-word phrase is yo followed by mama. When you say yo mama, okay? (laughs) Some of you may have grown up differently, but if someone speaks ill of the maternal figure in your life, it's time to fight, right? Okay, so she said, my brother and I serve the same God. If we were on a street corner, I would have let her finish her breath. But we're on the air. People are flipping stations. I'm very cognizant of that. So when she says, my brother and I serve the same God, I go, no, we don't. I said, I said, there is no greater distinction between the fallen angel you serve and the God of all creation I serve. Oh, True story, right? She gives me a look. I've tried to describe this look. My kids grew up in the era where they, they not only had 101 Dalmatians, the cartoon, they grew up in the era where they made it into a live action movie. I think Glenn Close, the actress, played Cruella. There's a point where she had kidnapped the puppies, but they got kidnapped back, and she finds out that the puppies are gone, and she's mad at her henchmen, and her little curl pops up, and she goes, Bring back the puppies! <sighs> Cruella, excuse me, I'm pardon me, the, the lady there next to me, she gives me that look like she is mad and she is not my friend. Three snaps, okay, from that point on. All of a sudden they open it up to, to life callers and I thought, okay, I got to brace myself. Here it comes. Here comes comes, feeding the Christians to the lions. Oh man, Lord, help me. First caller is a guy calls up and he says that he went to see a psychic because he had this addiction problem and all these issues in his life. And so I'm like, okay, wow, this psychic man did something, man, and he's he's deceived and all this. And then he turns it, and he says, I found out that none of that stuff helped my addiction. In fact, my addictions got worse. He says, until I went out to a victory outreach meeting, and he says, I went out to that meeting. He says, I gave my life to Jesus Christ, and I got delivered. And here's what he said at the end. He said, preach it, bro. This is what the guy said. I'm like... This is KPCC 2's talk of the town lot. Second caller, lady, true. She had read Cruella's book, right? I'm sorry, I shouldn't call her that. Read her book. She cited page, on page 23, you said this. You said this. And I could tell the author, psychic lady, she's feeling all like celebrated in that moment. And the woman turns on her. And she says, I got so confused in the midst of reading your book that a friend handed me a Bible, invited me out to a Harvest Crusade with Greg Laurie. I walked forward and gave my life to Jesus Christ. She says, after a minute of that, and she says, I am a believer and follower of the Lord Jesus Christ. Oh, two for two. Third lady, quickly. Third person that called. This woman was so Fruit Loop Ozone- that by the time she lent her endorsement to my counterpart, even she's rolling her eyes and going, oh, God, damage control, damage. We had 45 seconds each at the end of the program. She's trying to explain, well, the first guy I didn't understand, the second gal, and so she's in damage control mode, comes to me, and I said, anyone who's listening, you've heard pretty much a presentation from spirituality that isn't Christ-centered, and Christianity or spirituality, it is Christ-centered. And I said, anyone that hears that, you probably can hear the di- distinction. And I said, I want to share with you how you can make this connection with Christ. And I got a chance to lead people in a prayer on a secular radio station that I didn't want to go on. <laughs> and I submit to you, I believe that that's what God is about to do. I believe that God is going to begin to highlight a witness of his love and the magnitude of his power to set people free in regions and in places that previously we didn't think God would get a a witness, that he would have a degree of success. I really believe that God's going to shock you. I agree with the brother that prayed earlier. I'm convinced that a massive revival is coming to this nation. And what I mean by that is a pronounced expression of the presence of God that's going to be felt on the streets as much as it's felt in church places and Christian uh, gatherings. I'm convinced that we're going to see God roll up his redemptive sleeves and begin a work that our mouths will drop. I'm convinced of it. And we might even be frightened and stunned and shell-shocked like I was when I saw that miracle. Judges 3. We didn't read the first six verses, but I'll give you a summarization. This is the Cliff Notes. In in the first six verses, God has led his children, Israel, into the promised land. But God deliberately allows for there to be uh, other nations that are pagan nations that worship other gods. In other words, God purposely in the midst of their promised land leaves pockets of resistance. Why is it that God, when he releases us to stuff, that we still undergo resistance? The The first six verses tell us why. He says, I've done this to test you. To test you. One, that the young generation would understand war. Second of all, it is about loyalty. So here are three things that I want you to walk away from these first six verses. And we will quickly jump into are two major characters here and our two major players. Number one, first six verses. Your character will be tested before your promotion. Write that down. Your character will be tested before your promotion. If you're going through a time of testing... You're going through a time where you've been hit with something that you didn't see coming. You've had a midst of a barrage where literally your emotions have felt in a, in a place of agitation. It's quite possible that you could be getting in a, in a position where your trajectory is getting raised and you're about to be promoted. Come on, just look at someone next to you and say you're about to be promoted. Come on, look at you. Now I'll follow that up with this. How many of you have felt like you've been going through some stuff? Come on. How many of you, how many, absolutely, how many of you would say TNT is not the only one that knows drama? We know drama, come on. Okay, I'm in the right group this morning, right? Number two, second thing that I want you to walk away with again. Number one, your character will be tested before your promotion. Number two, your foundation must be set before your dream will come to pass. Some of us are anxious to get into this next place and, then, and, and to occupy this and to have this and to do that. And God knows that if we get to where we want to be prematurely before our foundation is set, that, up, that place in our promised land will be short-lived because somehow and some way our foundation isn't ready and typically what happens is we spiritually self-sabotage our, 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 our area. So many people, it is a blessing that we don't get what we want when we immediately want it. Because we're not ready for it. We've got to understand the sovereignty of God. Trust Him. Your foundation must be set before your dream will come to pass. Now that leads me to the third observation. Your attachment to your destiny must be greater than any resistance you'll face. Your attachment to your destiny must be greater than any resistance. Because your attachment to your destiny will be tested. There are going to be obstacles. There are going to be things that are in the way. But the thing is, is that deep down inside, do you want what it is that God has for you? I'd love to say this. In fact, I tweeted it this morning. My destiny is greater than my failures and my mistakes. You've got to know that God's plan for your life is greater. You see, we think we make a mistake. We're forever relegated to God's plan B. Not true. He knew that we would make those mistakes. He knows that we have feet of clay. It's a way of saying that we're flesh. But he still works in there an opportunity for us to rise up and to do what it is God's want to do. Now that leads me to this point. It simply says this. It says in verse 7, They forgot the Lord their God and served the Baals. The people of God forgot God. The word they forgot is a Hebrew word, is sakah. S-A-K-A-H. But if you're from where I'm from, you're a sucker, okay, if you forget God. So that's the Sean Smith pronunciation of the Hebrew word, sakah. It's a sucker. You forget God, you're a sucker. Why? Because the word, <laughs> you guys are so great. <laughs> it is a picture. The original word is a picture that God's people had forgotten identity. I think in America, we've forgotten how we've gotten where we've gotten to and how and God's blessing that even birthed this nation. I believe that many times we forget. Sometimes Thanksgiving, we remember all the things we're thankful that we got, but then we forget it by the time of Black Friday as we're waiting in line and mad at folks that they're getting the deal that we wanted, right? I think that when we forget who we are, we are vulnerable to someone else defining us. One of the greatest selling points, and I'm not a salesman, but one of the great selling points of Christianity, of giving your life to Christ, is that God gives you a firm foundation of identity that does not leave you subject to others' manipulation, others' agenda, and people taking advantage of you because you become strong in who it is that Christ made you to be. Because if God gives you the thumbs up, the the frowns of men become irrelevant when you have the smile of God on your life. Second thing that happened when they forgot God is it says that a evil tyrant was raised up that came and reigned over him his name was Cushan-Rishathaim verse 8 says they were sold into the hand of Cushan-Rishathaim for 8 years how would you like someone with this name ruling over you right well let me define it tell you the name it's not just Cushan-Rishathaim the name means n- names mean a lot in the old testament the name Cushan-Rishathaim means double wicked darkness How many of you know in America we're in the double wicked darkness? I just did a Google on some crime things on the drive up yesterday. One of the the latest things in Brooklyn, New York area is they have this thing they're playing called knockout games. Well, they'll walk behind someone, hit them as hard as they can, and the goal is to knock them out with one punch or one hit. The tragedy is the 10th victim of these knockout games was a 76-year-old woman that they knocked her out. And this is tragic. This thing is going on. These things are happening. There's another instance, and there, there are many others of these. One that was at the University of Minnesota where some guy that was a sexual predator was dressing up as a police officer and actually had cornered a couple of gals and had molested them, and it's tragic. Another story came out of the Midwest of a, of a family, a father. These are your own children. He kidnapped, held in prison his own three daughters and for months did not bathe them. And, and I'm saying, what kind of wickedness has come to America where now... We're turning on our own. They say the number one killer of children five years of age and younger is not sudden infant death syndrome or childhood diseases, but in the good old United States of America, it's mom and dad. And I'm telling you, we're in a time of double wicked darkness. And this is what, what the, it's one thing when darkness fills a news column, fills a crime report. It's another thing when that darkness seeps into the human soul and, and where all of a sudden you feel trapped and one of the ways that darkness is starting to have its way is it changes your perception that you become disillusioned, you feel despair, you feel pessimism. And pessimism is part of the fact that the darkness out there has crept in. What is the answer to that evil out there? What is the answer to the cloudiness and, and the chaos that we feel in our own human heart? They they A classic book that came out in 2000 called The Craving Brain. Secular book. But the guy essentially says this. And Brain, you don't have to buy the book or whatever, but this, I'll sum it up. He says, essentially, if the human mind cannot achieve peace naturally, it will seek to achieve peace unnaturally. And thus, tens of billions of dollars are spent on, on different drugs and, and that they can put their finger on, right? The Different drugs and different things to try to achieve peace that seem to be escaping. Have you noticed that there's more sleep, sleep, and my voice just did that one direction thing right there, oh british British, British boy band, they're, they're, they don't have testosterone or something, I don't know, right? I lost mine for a moment, I understand, I can relate, all right? Is that what they have found out and what we've come to is this, is in America, that We need more sleep aids with more whispering side effects because we cannot find the place where our mind comes to a place of rest. And there is, again, becomes another component of why we need Christ. It says, right after that in verse 8, and you could read it, but for the sake of time, I'll just repeat it. It says, when they cried out to the Lord, the Lord raised up a deliverer by the name of Othniel for him. My response to that is, why did it take you so long? follow me. It says when they cried out to the Lord, but it says that they had served this or sat under double wicked darkness for eight years. Why did it take them eight years? Because notice it again, let me put the components together. When they cried out to the Lord, the Lord raised up a deliverer. In other words, at the moment they cried out, God came in. Why did it take you so long to begin to cry? Why do people get used to darkness? Why do people sit under darkness for so long? I think one of it, we already find out. They've forgotten who they are. Sometimes we become so disillusioned, we don't think any change is possible. But I think the other thing is this, is that we find at times so many side distractions that it's distracted us, it has distracted us from our desperate state. And let me just stop and kind of do a side point, do this and we're done. I believe that right now God is raising up a God cry in the greater Sacramento area and your church is a key component in this God cry that God would come and visit a region. Because you know if the greater Sacramento area becomes a glistening point, a landing point for this revival. I think of revival as not something that God has locked away in a closet in heaven, but it's a Southwest airline plane in a holding pattern over SFO waiting for the fog to clear. That there's a fog that's been in our hearts that God is waiting to clear because there's a plane in a holding pattern called revival, but he's waiting for that cry. And a cry is what clears the fog. In the midst of it, it says, and they cried out to the Lord. Why does it take so long? I think there's a lot of reasons to that. But I think one of the reasons is, is it simply comes to the point where somehow we get disconnected from believing that our cry is connected to God coming. Right now, we need revival. What they did is they copied the unrevived lifestyles of the world around them. That's what got them in the trouble they were. But revival keeps us from copying the unrevived lifestyles of a fallen world till we recognize that we are a royal priesthood. We are who God calls us to be. Now, hold that thought and let me now close with this. Double wicked darkness, eight years set under Cushan Rishathain. It says, when they cried out, the Lord raised up Othniel. Othniel's name, and get ready in a moment. We're going to bow our heads. But Othniel's name means, you ready for this? Othniel's name means the power of God. The power of God that the answer to darkness is the power of God. The answer to darkness, let me tell you, in America, human solutions have failed and failed us badly to the spiritual condition of America. America is a proverbial prop plane that's in a nosedive that, man, as much as we love education, legislation, international cooperation, they have failed to pull us out of this nosedive. And I'm here to tell you, only Jesus, only the intervention of God can save a nation, only the power of God can begin to intervene and begin to put something back together. Here is the power of Jesus Christ. God has the ability to restore to you things you never thought you could get back. Years ago, I gave my life to Jesus Christ at 22. My grandmother raised me. My dad, I met for the first time at five. My dad was murdered by policemen policeman when I was nine. They proved in court it was racially motivated. My dad committed no crime. I spent my high school years in massive experimentation. I was raised predominantly by my grandmother. My mother was working. She was in the house. My grandmother had been an alcoholic the majority of my life growing up in West Oakland, tough, tough area. My grandmother, when I was 17, junior in high school, goes to a little small holiness church at Lake Merritt, right around the lake. She walks forward. She gives her life to Jesus Christ. She comes back home in our apartment, walks up the stairs, and I come home from school. She's breaking all her alcohol bottles. And I, I'm like, Grandma, that's your, that's your retirement. What are you doing, right? <laughs> I should explain. She spent all her Social Security check on her alcohol collection. So that was her retirement, right? And she looked at me. She was from Dumas, Arkansas. She's old school. Uh, She looked at me. She said, grandbaby, your grandmother don't need this anymore. I got Jesus in my heart. It is the law of displacement. So many people are trying to break bad habits and get bad desires out of their life. And they're focusing on it. You'll never get free that way. It is the law of displacement. You get Jesus in, he kicks those things out. I'm looking at her like, no, Ma, grandma, you go to a Betty Ford Out Center. You do successive reduction, you know. And she looked at me and just like a snap look. All right, grandma don't need to take 12 steps. Grandma just took one step to Jesus. That's all I need. True. She would be with us for about another four years. And in that time, she said something very pertinent, very crucial to me. She said, grandbaby, promise me one thing. One day you're going to find out you can't figure out this thing and handle this thing called life all on your own. Promise me in that moment you will call on the name of Jesus. The Bible says, whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. It is the cry, deliverance principle all over again. She passed when I was 21. One year later, to the date, I'm in a, a room after a night of partying, after a night of immorality. I got my groove on. I was twerking. No, I wasn't twerking. That was too, too many years ago, okay? I was just checking to see if you're listening. (laughs) I came back so empty. I was suicidal. I called it suicide on the installment plan. I wasn't going to take a bullet to my head or overdose, but I was doing activities over a period of time. I was asking to take my life away. It's suicide on the installment plan. Out of control. And I came back and I said, God, I I thought there was a God. I just didn't think he cared much about me. I said, God, if you're real, I want to experience you. And if you let me experience you, I'll give you everything. Just like my grandma told me, I called on the name of the Lord. And in that moment, Jesus came and met me. I mean met me, changed my life. Sean, how much you changed your life? Well, 28 years later, I'm doing what I'm doing while my computer engineering degree is collecting dust in my garage. And my passion is to help people connect with God. My grandmother made Jesus real to me. But then he became real to me. So it wasn't a secondhand thing. It was I encountered God myself. I want you to bow your heads. Jesus. Lord, we thank you, God, for your presence, and we believe that, God, you're here. You're real. Lord, so many people, God, say it doesn't matter what you believe as long as you're sincere. That doesn't work in life. I can't open my medicine chest, close my eyes, and say whatever I grab onto, reach out into the medicine cabinet. Whatever I grab will help my headache today because I can grab preparation H or the wrong thing, right? (laughs) All roads lead to God. It's not true. I started an hour and 40 minutes away from here in San Ramon, California yesterday to drive here. I couldn't just drive an hour and 40 in any direction, stop the car and say that I'm at Bridgeway. There's a prescribed route. That's why we have GPSs. We know things aren't true in the natural, yet we'll believe those philosophies. But I believe that there is pressure on what we believe. And a lot of those philosophies are going the way of 8-track tape players, Dodo birds and velour top on cars. They're sagging. They're failing. They're extinct. What we need is an answer where all other answers fail. It is Jesus. If you're here right now, you say, "Sean, I need Jesus. I need to give my life to the Lord. I'm tired of being made to hurt. I'm tired of not having answers. More questions than I have answers." C.S. Lewis made it easy on me. He makes it straight. C.S. Lewis, the great author, did "Lines Witch, in a Wardrobe" that tells of Narnia. Says the fact that your heart yearns for what Earth cannot supply is proof that heaven must be your home. If you're here right now, you have a hunger for something that doesn't have an expiration date stamped on it. You sit on a loaf of bread. You sit on a carton of milk. But the truth be told, that expiration date is on more than just the ozone layer. And bread and milk, it's on everything but your heart and the Word of God. And those too much meat. If you're here right now, you say, Sean, I need Jesus. I've never given my life to the Lord. This is the moment that Jesus is standing in front of you. Your life will change in ways that you only dreamt of. And the disillusionment, the despair, the hollowness, the emptiness leaves when Jesus comes in. If you're here right now, you say, Sean, pray with me. What will it cost me? I'll be honest, it costs you everything. But let me tell you, you're still going to get the better end of that deal. Because when Jesus comes, he brings a kingdom with him. He brings a world with him. He brings a reality that superimposed over our own becomes a reason to live. If you're here now and you say, Sean, I need to give my life to Lord A or B, I need to come back to Christ. One time prayed a prayer, but I've walked away. I need Jesus. Right now, do not hesitate. Be sure of this. Nail this down. If you're not sure where you'll spend eternity, that Jesus Lord. Get sure. That's what I would do. If you're here right now, you say, Sean, pray with me. I need Jesus. I need to give my life to the Lord. If that's you, this is your miracle moment. Wherever you're at right now, get your hand up right now. Just lift it up. Wherever you're at, say, Sean, I need, yes, yes, yes. Ye- oh my, yes, yes. You're not alone. Many. Anyone else? Your heart's pumping. I know the feeling. Been there, done that. Your heart's pumping. It's telling you. God is knocking at the door of your heart. Get your hand up. Anyone else? I want all those that are lifting their hand. Would you just stand right now? Stand up wherever you're at. If your hand is up, I like to say hand up, stand up right now. All of you that are hand is up, stand up wherever you're at right now. I've got a light on me and I can't see that well, but I can see some folks standing. Anybody else? You've been the prodigal. You need to rededicate your life to the Lord. Stand right now. He hung on a cross for you. You can stand for him. It's powerful. Can I get you right now, all of you that are standing, do me a favor. Step out of your seat and come up here right now. Would you do that? Come on. Come on, folks. Let's just applaud right now. Don't sit back down. Come on up. Come on up. I just want you to know. Come on, you guys can come around. You can circle around here. Just keep coming. There's still some folks coming. Come on, people. I just want to look you in the eye and tell each of you. Number one, God loves you. He really does. God's not mad at you. He's mad about you. Big difference. I feel like I'm, I'm, I'm somewhat jesting. I feel like the black Drew Carey right now, right? Come on down. But you don't, you're not going to just win a washing machine or a trip to Acapulco. This is eternal life. You've stood and your name's been called because Jesus has done what he's done for you. And your decision to say yes to Christ is everything. Well, I'm going to lead you in a prayer right now. Would you pray for me? Our prayer, I'll let you know where we're going. We're going to ask Jesus to be the Lord of our life. And we're going to declare that we are new in him and allow Jesus. That, that permission that comes out of your mouth opens a door where Jesus comes and he takes residence. Your heart was never meant to be a hotel with multiple guests moving in and out, but a home for Jesus alone. Let's pray right now. Close your eyes. All of us together. Say, Lord Jesus, Jesus, I confess you as Lord of my life. I believe in my heart. Come on, everybody say with me. I believe in my heart. God raised you from the dead. Lord, I make room for you, the lover of my soul. And I do this by repenting. Lord, I repent my sins. I turn to you. And I thank you Jesus. That you love me. You have forgiven me. And I declare today. I'm a child of God. And I will serve you. All my days. In Jesus name. Amen. Come on somebody. Can we get some, some of the leaders that will come forward. You just pray that prayer. All of heaven is doing what we're doing in this room. We got some people that are going to come, and I just want to say, "Woo!" I'm looking at some of your eyes, and I can see the tears start. I, I mean this honestly. I could totally lose it right now. This is my favorite. Favorite time in anything I get a chance to do outside of just being alone with God is being able to introduce people to Christ. We've got some Bibles and some things we want to give you. People are going to pray for you individually if you've got needs. So please stick around. We want to dismiss you. Uh, I was going to say, I'll see you next week. I won't see you next week. But I will see you again. I feel pastoral right now. But we're going to take some time at this altar and pray. If you want to stick around for a while, that's cool. Obviously, there's another service coming. God bless you. Thanks so much. And I just want to encourage you. No matter what you're facing right now, know this. Your destiny is greater than your mistakes. His purpose over your life is bigger than your problems. And to know that I really believe that as we cry out, God shows up. So God bless you. We'll see you guys. We're going to continue to pray.